I decided to, on the topic of the point of your existence, right, something light and uh, not too, too deep for our, for our subject matter, the purpose of your existence. Why do you exist? Why are you here? And it's a question that everybody searches for an answer. Everybody spends their whole life uh, trying to figure out and decide, what, is there a point to all of this? And the secular world, we all, and I don't want to blame them, we, everybody searches for an answer to that question in all different places. We might try uh, some kind of lasting significance. Uh, maybe if I can just leave some kind of, uh, you know, lineage or some kind of uh, great deed that I've done, a, a good name. Uh, maybe I can just, you know, maybe there's no real long-lasting point, so I just need to uh, enjoy the time and the moment that I'm in right now and indulge in whatever pleasures make me happy. Uh, or, or I just want to um, have other people recognize how valuable and great I am through fame and fortune. And uh, that, that's what the world searches in. But Christians also search for that and, and, and try to think that somehow that's going to uh, create some kind of meaning in our life. So the simple question is, what is the purpose of our existence? And the Bible tells us very clearly what it is. And Isaiah 43, 7 says, for I, God says, for I've created him for my glory, this people that he created. Um, I have formed him, yeah, I have made him. This people have I formed for myself that they shall show forth my praise. God's people were created specifically to show forth his praise. But actually, Revelations goes even further than that. Revelations 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Everything was created for God's pleasure. Every person that's listening to me right now, you were created to please God, to bring glory to God. Isn't that a, a sobering thought? You exist to please God. That's the answer. <laughs> the question then is, how do you do that? Well, the Bible says, please God, keep his commandments, right? What's the very first commandment? Do you remember what it was? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does it say about us, humankind, that the very first command is to have no other gods before God? Do you know what it says? That you will, <laughs> and you will be very likely to, and you will, serve other gods. You will worship something with your life. Every single one of us, every day, is worshiping something. We are worshipful beings that we were created to worship. Remember, we just said we're created to please God, to glorify Him, to praise Him. We're created to worship. We give ourselves to things. We, we create things. We build things. We, we make things. We learn things. We talk about things. We use our time to build somebody's kingdom. That's what we do. We're, we're, we're created in God's image. We're builders. We're makers, right? Have you ever really thought about how much you can do in a day when you actually apply yourself? <laughs> right? You can, humans can do amazing things. We obsess over things. We strive for some kind of meaning and lasting greatness. I got to go to Egypt a couple years ago. How, and were any of you at the rally we did last night? So you've heard a little bit about this. But last night I told everybody, I got to go to Egypt. And I got to see the pyramids. And I was so excited. I got, went on a government trip. Uh, we were, anyway, I won't get into all the details. It was with the port of, um, anyway. <laughs> so we go to see Egypt. And we get to see uh, the mummies. 
And I have always wanted to. I love history, so I was so stoked about going in and seeing, specifically, Ramses the Great. Anybody know who that is? Kind of. You remember Ramses? Like, I mean, we think, we're pretty sure that he was the, 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 the one that built the greatest pyramid. Uh, well, some people say the second. Anyway, uh, one of the great pyramids. He was the most powerful king that the world had ever seen. Maybe, arguably, the most powerful king the world has ever seen, uh, you know, of, of an earthly kingdom. Ancient Egypt was, was the kingdom the world economy, the military power, uh, the cultural power. I mean, they, they literally built the pyramids. We don't know how they did that today, to this day. So you look at this amazing kingdom and this great king. He was so great that they figured out how to mummify him and preserve him that you can literally 5,000 years later go see his body preserved today. That's pretty impressive, right? His burial chamber is the Great Pyramid or one of the Great Pyramids. That's amazing. He has this beautiful tomb and and you think about that he did everything he could to be remembered and to have lasting significance. In fact, he did everything he could to be worshipped. He told everybody that he was God. The pharaohs all, all did that. We are God on earth, and you obey us and bow to us and worship us. Like, I mean, they, they were so successful in having other people worship them, and they were so successful in being rich and powerful and great and I got to go to see his mummy, and I walked through this line, and I'm pretty excited because this is a really important guy, and we're shuffling through with all these different tourists, and I have some Japanese tourists in front of me, and I have some uh, tourists from, uh, they were either Wisconsin or the UP, so right, maybe right here at home. I think they were from uh, northern Wisconsin. And we're shuffling through, and uh, I'm really excited to see this mummy. Now, anybody ever seen a mummy before? They're pretty, okay, a couple of you, they're pretty, they're pretty awesome. So we come through, and uh, every, it's, everybody's kind of quiet as we, like, shuffle through, and we go by, and there he is, in all of his grandeur, Ramses, and uh, um, Hatshepsut, if you remember her, anyway, I mean, their mummy's just right there, and they're laying down, and you can go, you can still see his lips, the skin on his lips is still there, very, very, very slowly decaying, <laughs> and the tour, everybody was so somber and quiet, and the, the, the Japanese tourists, they get down, and their little daughter gets right next to it, and she gets down by his face, and, does it, and they take a picture. And, and then they all start giggling. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is, and then the son, ah, and they're like videoing it and taking pictures, putting it on the social media. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is a guy, person's body. Like, this is, should be, you know, we should be, show some respect. And I turn around, and the Wisconsin tourists are gone. I'm like, they, where'd they go? And so we, we shuffle through, and other people get out, and I come out, and I, I took a picture. I thought, this is so cool. Like, Ramsey's so important. And I walk out in the hallway, and here they come, the Wisconsin tourists, and they, it's so hot in there. There's no air conditioning. It's Egypt. It's, we're all sweating. And she's like, hey, what's in here? And I'm like, oh, it's, it's, that's the Hall of the Mummies. You can go see Ramses the Great. And she goes, oh, you've seen one mummy. You've seen them all. <laughs> and she shuffled up. And I'm like, but, and they just, just, I mean, they didn't even look in the door. They're like, I do not care. And they shuffle by trying to, you know. And it was like, poor Ramses, right? I mean, he's like, they didn't care who he was. They didn't, you know, had no idea. And, you know, Ramses did the absolute best that a human can do to be worshipped, to be remembered, to have some kind of lineage and, and great deeds and significance on earth. And today, he was so successful. Today, he's in a box, slowly decaying, as tourists walk by and take goofy pictures with his decaying corpse. That is the best humans can ever do at being worshipped and finding great significance in ourselves. We are dust. Now, Ramses is pretty well-preserved dust, <laughs> but, but Ramses isn't in that box anymore. He's somewhere, 
And every one of us is someone. We're, the reason we desire so much to be worshipped is because we're eternal beings. God created, like our soul knows that there's something beyond this. Because we were created in God's image. And we, we, we strive to worship something. The issue is today, most of us, most people, worship ourselves. Just like Ramses. We think we're God. We decide what's right and wrong. We decide what pleases us. We live our lives to find some kind of meaning and satisfaction and to be worshipped by other people through attention, fame, whatever it may be. But the best we can ever do is to sit in a decaying box because you're not going to beat Ramses. I just, you know, and if you do, good for you, but you're still going to be decaying in a box somewhere, right? What is worship? It's the thing that we all are going to do with our lives anyway. So the question is, what is it? Worship, Webster defines as worship is uh, to honor with extravagant love. Honor with extravagant love. And another definition is extravagant love and extreme extreme submission. To to have other people submitted to you. Or if you're worshiping something, to submit to something. uh, It's a formal or ceremonious rendering of honor and homage to God. Worship always involves certain things. First, it always involves giving. Giving something. Today, where is that in our service? Giving. Right? We just did it, right? The obvious thing is the, the offertory. But giving is so much more than just that. Like giving of your, your monetary things. Although that's a, a huge part of it. Giving of your time, your, your life, your work, your attention, your thoughts, your words. It has an element of lip service. Worship, this is a really sobering question. Do you think about God? Are your thoughts directed towards God each day? Are are your words about God? Do you ever talk about God? Do you sing about God? Do you declare who he is to the people around you? Do you work for the glory of God to further his kingdom? You know why it's so sobering? Because a lot of times we don't. I don't. I'm up here preaching to you and I don't. I daily worship myself. I don't try to necessarily, or maybe I do. I just do it because I'm a sinner. And I have to go back and humble myself in extreme submission before God because I'm trying to worship myself and make my life all about me. And I have to repent of that and worship God. And God is glorified through that. It pleases God when I do that, when I recognize I am dust and I need him. And my life is, is, is to be spent glorifying and worshiping him. So it, it involves giving. I mean, you guys are here on Sunday. This is an act of worship. Showing up and giving of your time and your attention to be here with the body of Christ, singing, declaring God's glory. That's an element of it. But it's every day and every moment is what we're supposed to do with our lives. In all things, right? Whether therefore you eat or drink, literally everything you do is to glorify God. It involves ascribing worth or value using words. Words are so important and so valuable. Every word that we have. Think about this. God revealed himself through his word. Through words. Jesus is the word. Like the, the word of God is, is powerful. Like so words matter. And your words matter. They, they, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue, right? So are your words, do they, do they speak life? Are they about God? Are they for his glory? Um, worship always requires humility. That's a big takeaway if you forget everything else. Worship requires humility. That's what it is. It's humbling yourself. We talked about the Beatitudes in Sunday school. That's like living out the the work of Christ in your life. If you're going to live a Christ-like and be, what do you need? Let this mind be be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Submission and humility is what it is. That's the answer. Like I said, recognizing you're not God. You're not supposed to be worshipped. You're supposed to worship him. Um, The Greek word used most for worship in the New Testament, proskuneo, 
I have no idea if that's how you, actually how you pronounce it, but I'm just going to guess that that may be close. It means literally to kiss toward, kiss the hand of, or kiss toward, or fall on your face before. In the ancient East, you would have a custom to show respect. The person who was showing respect would, would kiss the hand of somebody, or kiss toward, or kind of like even uh, like a show of fealty, like you know, bow down and get low. What does it say about that picture of a person that's, that's great and mighty, that's holding the, the hand out, and the person who's kissing the ring of? It, 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 it is a, it's a lowly position. It shows how great and um, worthy of respect the, the king or the person is and how lowly the person showing the respect is. And when you think about the kings, I mean, in the ancient East, if you, the king, if you wanted an audience with him, you could come before him. And if it pleased him, you could hold his ring out and, if it, you know, and, and kiss it, maybe have an audience. And if not, you, know, you might go lose your head. <laughs> so, I mean, once again, the position of absolute power and might and grandeur and, and, and lowly weakness, uh, submission. That's, the, that's what humility means. That's what worship means. C.S. Lewis uh, defined it one time as worship is enjoying God. And I love that. As New Testament believers, well, really all believers, but New Testament believers specifically, we understand more fully that enjoying a relationship with Jesus Christ, somebody who bears our griefs and sorrows and, no, you know, but I, I shouldn't limit it to the New Testament Christians, of course. You know, read the Psalms of David. <laughs> like, like we, we serve a God who we can enjoy that we can rejoice and think about the song rejoice in the Lord we're called to rejoice in him it's not it's not always a scareful fear and trem- or a scared fear and trembling no it's a it's an enjoying fully to enjoy is to glorify in commanding us to glorify him god is inviting us to enjoy him and that's you can hear it in the words rejoice and uh, turn to psalms 100 i really want to go through this this psalms 100 is such a uh, some people have called it the br- blueprint of worship this is something that most of you will know this psalm. Verse 1, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Have any of you ever wondered why we sing? As a little kid sitting in church, I remember thinking, what are we, why do we do this? This is so random. <laughs> like we sit in the pew and we stand up and we all sing a hymn. Like what, how did that become a part of worship? Like who decided, maybe somebody just decided they liked music, right? And we'll sing. It's like, no, God likes music. He loves music. He's the, he, he, and, and that's why we love it so much. That's why you get a good song and you just, oh, it just captures your emotions and it moves your heart. You know, you ever, anybody ever seen like a, um, the, the Broadway type stuff where, you know, when they, they, they're speaking and they're, t- they're doing a drama and all of a sudden you get to the emotional climax and they just can't keep it anymore. So they break out into song, right? And everybody's, yeah, you people are crying. And it's because it moves your emotions. It really does. It's powerful. And God tells us to worship him with song. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. Isn't that an odd verse when you first run into it? Why does God, why does he have to remind us? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. I have never one time thought that I made, I created myself. I have it. I accidentally said that we created the, uh, our world that we're in, meaning the fallen of sin earlier, and I thought, oh, that's the first time I've ever accidentally <laughs> kind of said something like that. Like, we didn't create the world around us. We don't, like, and the point is, this is a reminder, you didn't create anything. 
You didn't create yourself. You didn't create the world. You, you, you're very limited and small in the scope of the, you know, the universe, right? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. What are we? We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We're sheep. I don't really like being sheep. I want to be the lion, right? I don't want to be the sheep. But that's what we are. We, we stray. We wander. We sin. We're needy. We're dust. That's what people are. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Do you bless God's name? What an interesting word choice that is. That you and I, like lowly people, that are, like we said, we're dust, we're sheep, that God wants us to bless his name, that he is glorified when we bless his name. That's actually a very high station. We just went from sheep to the ones who are blessing God's name and glorifying him. The, um, it, it's, it's really an amazing um, conundrum. It's hard for us to really understand. It's one of the mysteries of God that he is glorified through his people, that he takes us from dust. And I mean, he took us from dust in the first place and created us, right? And then he knows that we're sinners and he redeems us. And he gives us his high stations where we're heirs of heaven when we were, uh, you know, lost, wandering sinners bound for hell. Like, that once again, an amazing mystery, but he's glorified through it. And it's part of the grand plan that we all have a part of as believers if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. God is good. We just sang about that, right? Isn't it interesting that in Psalms 100, that's what God reveals to us to himself. God is good. This world is not so good, many oftentimes, right? But God is good. His mercy towards you and me, the sinner, is everlasting. And his truth, those words that tell us, these words that tell us who he is and what he's done and give us the revealed truth about the purpose of our life, they endure to all generations. And they're never going to pass away. And we have them that we can look at and understand and follow. Uh, God, part of worship is declaring, remember the lip service and declaring truths about God? It's the truths that come directly from the Bible. So you read God's word, you speak God's word. You let God's word in your heart, and it changes the way you live and act and talk. And those are the words that the truth comes from his revealed word. So your songs that you're singing should be full of God's word. Amen? That's what they should be, because it's revealed truth. That's who he is and what he's done. So where and how do we worship? Well, the Old Testament worship was reserved for a specific, holy, set-apart place like the tabernacle or the temple. Where do we worship today? Kind of a trick question. Some of you are like, church, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do come together, absolutely, and assemble and do corporate worship. But worship today, do you want to turn to John 4, 20 through 24? This is, uh, Jesus runs into this woman, and they are worshiping, their people group is worshiping in the wrong mountain. They've decided they're going to do it somewhere else instead of Jerusalem. And uh, so she's, or, um, yeah, she's speaking to Jesus, the woman, and she says, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to, wor ought to worship, which was true. They should be worshiping there. They were doing it the wrong way. Jesus saith unto her, Woman... Believe me that the hour cometh when ye shall neither worship in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship, uh, uh, worship the Father. Ye worship him 
Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. We just talked about the truth, right? Um, the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Where you worship God, even more clearly, 1 Peter 2, 5, we, ye also as lively stones are built up, up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. But ye are a chosen generation, those of you who are believers, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where do you worship today? You worship in the temple. You worship in your body, which is the temple. And you worship in your spirit. What know you not that, the, um, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you worship God in your spirit? That's what you offer sacrifices. As you, as you think about the truths that we talked about, the, the truths of God's word, who he is, what he's up to, the gospel, that Jesus Christ re- is literally your savior. And, and you think about what he's done and, and what your, your purpose is in the grand scheme of things. As you think through these truths in the Bible, you worship, you state, ah, hallelujah. <laughs> you state, Jesus is my savior. You, you, you speak about amazing grace. Right, that like all the, that you you sing, you speak, you tell the, the lost world around you who's dying and going to hell that needs to know about this Savior. That's what you do. Do you offer those those worshipful thoughts and words in your spirit and with your mouth? That's what worship is. That's where you worship today. And we gather together here at church to do that in our hearts, together corporately stating as a church, as a body of called out believers. Uh, publicly stating who we worship and who is our Savior. We have a new song. The Old Testament believers, you know, they, they had revealed truth, but we have the full and complete picture in Jesus Christ. We have a new song. We have a song, uh, Psalms 43 um, said, says, He has put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. So our belief, our worship in, in God can bring other people to know him and, and, and come and praise him too. But the new song for the New Testament believer, we have the full story, the complete picture of Jesus Christ. Spurgeon, in talking about this verse for the new believer, this new song that we have for the New Testament believer, this fully, uh, like I said, you have the full picture now. And he, he phrased it much better than I ever could. He said the new song for the New Testament believer is justice magnified and grace victorious. Hell subdued and heaven glorified. Death destroyed and immortality established. Sin overthrown and righteousness resplendent. What a theme for a new song. And that's, what our, that's what our songs are. Like the, uh, I, I mentioned Amazing Grace. You go through uh, every song, all the gospel songs and great hymns of the faith are Pete writers who were really enraptured by what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. And who God is, his attributes, and how amazing and, and wondrous he is. And they write these beautiful words that we can then come together and sing corporately 
back to Jesus Christ. Or we can use words directly from God's revealed word, sing the Psalms, as many Christians have done throughout all generations. And this is the new song that we have. So the question for me, for you today, is first, do you know why you exist? We just talked about it. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your, your current existence is to worship yourself. That's what you're doing with your life. You're worshiping yourself. And you're going to die just like everybody else, just like Ramses. Uh, really, you know, maybe a pointless existence, you could say, but you're going to end up somewhere because we don't just, it, this isn't all that's, that, that, that's there. there. There is an afterlife, and you're going somewhere. So have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? And Christian, who has, and who has been adopted as sons and heirs of heaven and do, with his high position, you're a royal priesthood, do you exercise your, your duties, your high station? Or do you continue to try to worship yourself? Do, do, you, do you daily allow the thoughts of God, the truths of God, the words of God to, to, to change your mind, to renew the spirit of your mind away from your, your sinful, worldly old man that you've got to daily put off and daily worship God? Because I know that I don't. And I need to daily go back in, in humility and extreme submission uh, in, in recognition of who my God is and what my purpose is here. So I hope you've been encouraged and challenged. And, and I want to leave you with, we serve a great God, a good God who is always only good, who has redeemed us, who has saved us and given us absolute worth and high station. And he is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all of our exclusive praise because we are not God. We did not make ourselves. He is worthy. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just praise you for who you are. We gather today as a body of believers to declare publicly to each other, to you, to the world around us that you are God and God alone, that you, are, you have provided our Savior, that you are worthy of our worship and praise. We know that you are good, that your mercy is everlasting, and your truth endureth to all generations. We thank you for that truth that enlightens us and gives us ultimate purpose and clarity and what we should do with our lives. And Lord, just help us right now in each of our hearts to recognize who you are and let the truth and the weight of who you are as God Almighty and judge the eternal judge. Help it to really convict our hearts and, and cause us to worship right now in extreme submission and to repent um, of unbelief and repent of worshiping false gods and, and help us to daily live out uh, a Christ-like life. Help, help your, your, the, the Spirit to guide us and move within us and help us to declare your truth and who you are to the lost world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would, just stand with me for one second. Appreciate the time that we've had to uh, listen to the word preached this morning. We're going to give you a moment to come and let's pray. Let's worship God together. Truly, worship is not what many have construed it to be. It is getting on our face before God. It is humbling ourselves. There's many... Many come to church and they think they're worshiping God, but they're not changing. Their life is the same. 
I'd like to ask if there's somebody here this morning, if you're, if you're just like what Brother Morgan was talking about, your life is, is going to end in just decay and you don't know where eternity is for you. You're here without Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, friend, that we're all lost without Christ. The Bible says we're all sinners. We deserve to go to hell. And the wages of our sin is death. But the good news is that the grace of God is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Perish for all eternity. This body, yes, will die, but our spirit will go to either heaven or hell. And without Christ, we'll perish. But with Christ, we can believe on him and not perish. We can have everlasting life. Come to Jesus this morning. If you're, if you're needing... <clears throat> If you're needing Jesus Christ, don't put it off till tonight. Don't put it off till next week. You don't have till next week. We only have right now. So come. I'm going to have one of our men, if you'd like to come and talk to them, I'd have them talk to you and show you from the Word of God how you can get that taken care of, get it settled today. Church family, let's come and pray. Let's encourage those that are, are needing to come for salvation. Let's encourage them by ourselves. Just come to the altar just for a moment. And let's pray together, ask God to help us to live in a state of worship. May our life be submitted to God. May we be submitted. We've been talking about that for a few weeks. Submission, not holding back, not keeping one area for itself, but everything open to God. We don't have to necessarily go to the mission field, but may we be surrendered to that. We don't have to necessarily go to preach. Uh, full-time or go to teach in a Christian school, but may we be surrendered to whatever it is that God would have for us. How about your children? Holding back, we're saying, well, my kids are going to do this. My kids are, are in line to do what I'm wanting. Well, hold on. Are we submitted to God in that area? Let's come and pray. Let's sing number 23 in our hymn book. If you would, you can turn there if you like. Number 23, we need some, we need some submitted submitted people may we submit ourselves to the lord that's what he wants not submitted to the church pastor or any other program but to god god may christ be central in our church may christ be the central theme of all that we do in our church in our life in our home in our in our families number 23 let's sing it out worthy